Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I want to talk about removing doubt, confirming faith. Removing doubt, confirming faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your anointing. Release a fresh anointing of your spirit upon me and upon your people that I might minister your word this morning, that we might receive your word so that if there are any yokes in our lives that need to be destroyed, under your anointing and through your anointing, those yokes will be destroyed and those burdens removed caused me to speak effectively and thoroughly this morning. I yield my faculties to you. Almighty God, Almighty Father, Hallelujah. Amen. Removing doubt, confirming, confirming faith. Have you ever questioned the reality of something? Have you had doubts about anything in this life? Yeah, yeah, we all have. I have. I've questioned things in the scriptures that I didn't understand. There's a time in scripture when I was reading the scripture that things just didn't seem right. How could they be? Yeah. Something, you might have questioned something or doubted something. A lot of us doubted things that our parents told us. You know, sometimes I think back and remember my parents would say, you don't need to hang around that person. I thought they knew better. I thought I knew better than them. I doubted what they said. Not so much as questioning, just doubted. I thought they didn't know what they were talking about or what they thought they knew was not real. It's not truth. But doubt, doubt is real. Doubt is real. Doubt, which causes us to question things in life, is real. Now, of course, there is a difference between just questioning something. You can question something because you want more information. You want to understand it. You want clarity. Doubt takes it to another realm. Where you question because you don't believe it. And been totally revealed to you yet. And, and, and doubt, doubt can be good when it, when it causes us to open up to investigation. Yeah. And through investigation, answers are discovered. Yeah. Doubt is bad and we just close off everything and we don't want to do any investigation. We, 
We think we know what we know. We believe what we believe, and nobody can change us. Yeah. In this, in this particular passage of Scripture and in the events that lead up to the ascension of Christ, and yeah, we can say many years after, but here dealing with Jesus' disciples, you're dealing with the situation of doubt. I was reading something the other day that, uh, you know, nobody, re nobody remembers faithless Peter uh, and another disciple that, 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 that was a, a scenario that happened that was negative. But we all have heard of doubting Thomas, right? Sometimes we've been called doubting Thomases. Un, un, unjustly so. Thomas, uh, Thomas doubted because he just needed more information. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sometimes our, our parents' faith is, well, all of the time, our parents' faith is not good enough for us. You need your own faith. Amen. You can't live off mama's prayers and daddy's prayers. Mama's faith and daddy's faith. You can't live off your spouse's faith. You got to have your own faith. So what we have coined and looked at as bad about Thomas really wasn't that bad when you really think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas needed more information. Now, Jesus' disciples had been through a very traumatic experience. When you approach these scriptures, always remember that. This is the man, the man Jesus who's crucified is the man that they have given up a lot in their lives for, to follow. They left their occupations to follow Jesus, all right? They, they many of them probably were faithful Jews and, or, or, because they attended the synagogue, you know, maybe they were nominal Jews, but but to follow Jesus was, 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 was something different, okay? It was something different. They, and then they had cast all of their hopes and dreams uh, in with Jesus because they thought he was going to establish an earthly kingdom and they were going to be in the in crowd. They were, they were, they were going to be in his inner circle. You remember when two of the disciples said, uh, Master, when you enter your kingdom, let, let one of us sit on your right side and one of us sit on your left side. Kind of like, you know, you think I'm going to be the king and Steve comes and says, oh, Pastor, you know, we've been friends for a long time. I've been, I've been, I've been with, with you for many years. Now, when you enter your kingdom, let me have the, the right-hand side. And, 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 and then Warren says, Elder Hassan said, no, 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 no. Well, at least let me have the left-hand side. They probably start arguing and say, okay, I'm an elder. I need the right side. You just remember, I need the left side. <laughs> but but they, had, they had, they cast all of their hopes and dreams in with Jesus because of what they mistakenly thought was going to happen. Even though he told them that he was going to die, they really did not believe him. All the way up to his arrest and probably his crucifixion, they expected a miracle to happen. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Peter uh, took uh, the, the, um, uh, Malchus's sword and cut his ear off, he was ready to start the revolution. Okay, let's get this going. We got, we, this, is, this is time to fight right now. It's time for you, it's time for you to, uh, to uh, start this battle right now. Yeah, drop me just a little bit in my monitors. Yeah, because I'm screaming in my ears. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, yeah. So they expected a miracle to happen, and it didn't, at least not in the way that, that they thought it was going to happen, that they expected. So their hopes and their dreams were dashed, okay? Uh, can you imagine the confusion they must have felt when Jesus dies on the cross and nothing happens? He just dies. They see him dying. They see him as they drive the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet. They see the soldier 
when he when they break the other two men's legs and they get to Jesus and they see that he's already dead, but the soldier takes the sword and jabs him in his side and out comes the blood. They see all of this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The confusion, the hopelessness they must have felt. Where, where are they going? What would they, where would they go? What are they going to do? Their master, their teacher, the leader has died and nothing happens. He dies and Joseph takes his body, put it in the tomb. And they roll a stone in front of the tomb and seal it. Yeah. What are they going to tell their family and their friends who knew that they were following this man? What kind of stigma, stigma would be a, what, what they have to live with for the rest of their lives, probably they thought? Now that the one they called Master and Lord had been crucified, they knew what he had promised, but would it, could it really happen? Because they saw it in the natural they saw him die. We, 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 are, we are human beings, my brothers and sisters. We, we're flesh and blood. And we tend to believe what we can see and what we can hold on to, what we can touch. So there's a promise out there that the master is going to be resurrected. But at this particular time, being human beings, it's so easy to believe what you know reality to be. The man died on the cross. Dead. No breath, no life. Every expected miracle now seems to be out of the question. Could resurrection actually be possible? Now, remember now, we're on this side of the cross. They're living this. All right? When we try to console people when they lose a significant loved one in their lives, in the midst of it, we can say all of the right things, but they're living it. They're going through it. And they may not hear the right things that you're saying. They may not be confident with the right things that you're saying. When you're living something, when you're going through it, and people come to try to counsel you and console you and help you, sometimes you don't want to hear what they have to say. Amen. Now, when you get on the other side of it and you look back at it, it's a different story then, but in the midst of it, these, these disciples are living this. Could resurrection be possible? Now, now of course, they had had, they had had, they had had a clue. They had had, they had had an example because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but, but, but that was Jesus raising Lazarus. Now, the Jesus who raised Lazarus is dead. Who's going to raise Jesus from the dead? Don't forget, saints, we're on this side now. We're on this side of the resurrection. We know what God did, but when you're living it, how many of you have ever said, where is God? You've been through something so difficult in your life. You say, God, where are you? God, are you real? God, if you're real, why don't you move in my situation? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You know, we can walk around like super Christians, like we never ask God, where are you? But let me tell you something. There have been some stuff in your life, amen, that you've been through. Are you going to go through? You're going to ask God, where are you? So they had doubts. They had doubts. They had fears. And you would have had them too. I would have had them. Amen. After seeing all that they saw, in the natural, 
And in the moment of grief and sorrow and disappointment and, and, and hopelessness, what was natural seemed so real. Well, the wonderful thing about the Lord is that he knows the human condition. Amen. He knows our propensity to question things, and he knows our propensity to doubt. Amen. Hallelujah. And because he does, he is in the faith-confirming business. God sees you. God knows you. God sees me. God knows me. And so God, through Christ, through Holy Spirit, is in the business of confirming the faith of his followers. You're not left in this alone. Don't ever forget this, my brothers and sisters. The Lord said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never, 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 never. He said, I will be with you always. So he's with you in those moments of doubt. He's with you in those times that you're feeling hopeless and helpless. He's with you in that time when you don't understand things and things don't seem to be And The Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's in the faith confirmed. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how many times in my life my faith has been confirmed. Confirm means to reinforce because there are times when your faith needs to be reinforced. Yeah, yeah. I think about the number of times just through little situations happening. You know, when I was a teenager, the Lord was giving me words of wisdom and words of knowledge when I didn't even know what was happening. Growing up in the Baptist church, you didn't hear anything about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All you thought the Holy Spirit did was make you jump and shout and maybe slap somebody while you jumping and shout. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. You know, I think about, I, I've thought about that time in Malawi when I lost my cell phone. And, and over in the night, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, look under the mattress. And I lift the side of the mattress. And the, the Spirit specifically said, this is like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. No, lift up the mattress. And when I lifted the mattress, my phone was in the middle of the bed between the mattress and the box spring. That was a faith-confirming moment. Yeah, I had my phone, but it confirmed my faith. It showed me something about the faithfulness of God, that God is concerned with even the minutest details of our lives. Yeah. He is. How many times has God done things in your life to confirm your faith? Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 when you mature in the Lord and you handle things differently, sometimes people don't understand, but, but the Lord has given you that opportunity to minister to them, which has to do with the reason the Lord confirms our faith. All right, let me, let me just get to that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There might be somebody in here today who, although you have read the Word You've heard the messages. You have been told about these things many times. You doubt whether some of this is true or not. Amen. The gospel, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. There may be somebody in here today with questions. You see, a lot of times in church, because those of us who, who are leaders... And those of us who have to, uh, we feel like we have to show you the best side of us. <laughs> you know, you look at, as my son likes to say, super Christians, and there are no super Christians. That's just a terminology that some people want to use uh, when they want to kind of throw off on us or, or make a statement about us. But, you know, I'm not of the propensity, I'm not one that believes that I have to stand in the pulpit and tell you all about dirt because it, it might do more harm than it will do good. Young people talk about being real. I'm 68 years old. I come from a generation that you don't tell everything. You don't want to know. I don't want to know everything about you. 
Sometimes that does more harm than good. <laughs> so, so, but, but sometimes people feel like they can't ask questions because depending on how we answer them, you know, their, their, their doubts, their questions may be, uh, 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 may not be acceptable, so they keep quiet. They keep things to themselves. They don't talk about, they don't talk about what they're questioning. So the Lord has a way. Somebody say the Lord has a way. Hey, yeah. Song says the Lord has a way that's mighty sweet. That mighty sweet way is the Lord, when you, when you, when you, um, attend the fellowship of believers or you're in a, a fellowship of believers, a, a group of Christians, the Lord has a way of addressing your doubts and your fears without, even, without you even bringing them to light. Yeah. yeah, he has a way. He has a way. He has a way. He has a way. Ah, I just think about, you know, being in Sierra Leone, just, just getting in, in myself and ready to blast the travel agent because I was angry because they closed the door. They wouldn't let us take our flight, and we missed our flight to Liberia from Sierra Leone. We were going to be three days late for the conference. And in my, in my, in my rage, Holy Spirit said, be still and know that I am God. God has a way. When I heard the Lord and shut my mouth, somebody said, somebody else in the office said, have you tried this travel agent around the corner? You see, you see, I tell you, God has a way. We just got to pull back. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we want to deal with this thing, you know. We, we have the Peter side in us that we're ready to cut the soldier's ear off. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes even the, even the, meekest of us get to that point. I want to deal with this now. This, this has gone too far. Yeah. God has a way. God has a way. Yeah. yeah. So if you're struggling with an issue today, if you're struggling in your faith today, if you're struggling even with believing and following the Lord, one, first of all, one thing you got to remember is that Satan is ever present. Sometimes when we talk about God and talk about us and, and there, there has been a move in the church to say, don't talk so much about the devil. But let me tell you something. If you take Satan out of the picture, then things don't fully add up. What, is the, what does Jesus say about Satan? He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is like a snake. People say that when you're out in your yard, doing yard work or what have you, and I thought about this yesterday, planting my garden, but I got my rubber boots on now. Uh, they say, you may never see the snake, but rest assured, the snake sees you. <laughs> Amen. So you may not ever see Satan, and you may not want to talk about him, but rest assured, he sees you. He is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we can't leave him out of the picture, because all of this, none of this will make sense for us if we leave Satan out of the picture. We got to talk about it because he is always trying to shoot arrows of doubt at you, at your mind. That's why Paul said, put on the whole arm of God. He said, put on the helmet of salvation, which protects your mind. Your mind needs to be protected. Satan will fight his battles in your mind if he can get to your mind. We can't leave him out of the picture. We can't leave him out of the picture. He's warring against us, shooting his arrows of doubt in our minds, so that if he can, he will pull us away from the faith at a crucial time in our lives. Listen now. He's going to come at you at critical points. Those of you who are listening on Facebook, listening to this broadcast live, to our young people, whether you're young in age or young in the faith, listen now. 
Satan is going to come at you at crucial points in your life. He's watching you. He's watching you. And at times that you must make crucial decisions for your life, that's when he's going to start working at you the hardest. He's going to try to make you question God. He's going to try to make you, he's going to cause you to see other believers as super Christians. He's going to make you see people in their faults. And while you're looking at and judging people in their faults, you're going to fail to see that you have faults too. He's going to cause you to question long enough to influence you to do something stupid. He's going to try to influence you to do something that you will regret later on. Am I talking to anybody in here? Anybody ever, you ever did anything and you ever regretted doing it? Lord, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I pay attention? And you regret it. You regret it later on. That's what the devil does. That's what he's out to do. I want you to know today that the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified, the one who died, was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as he said, wants to remove doubt from your mind and wants to confirm your faith in him today. Jesus, the resurrected Lord, the resurrected Christ. You see, a confirmed faith a reinforced faith is critical for many reasons, many reasons. It, it makes a difference in spiritual warfare, whether you experience victory or defeat. Now, that doesn't register with, register with you yeah, yeah, because we are engaged in spiritual warfare every day we live. Do you want defeat or do you want victory? I want victory. I don't know about you. If that doesn't register with you, a confirmed faith is important in your personal life. When you are walking in faith, when you have confidence in the Lord, okay, as you live in this world, a confirmed, a reinforced faith uh, will make the difference between success and failure. It will make the difference. Tell you, promotion doesn't come from the east nor the west. Promotion comes from God. My faith in God makes the difference. It makes a difference in your perspective on things. You know, I've learned today that, that, that because of my perspective on things, that I am a well-beloved son of God. If the Lord didn't love me, he wouldn't allow me to do the things that he's allowed me to do. He wouldn't allow me to go to places that he allows me to go. To meet the people and, and, and preach and teach and, and impact people's lives in the way that he has allowed me to do it. I could have stayed right in York all of my life, stayed right here and preached to you all of my life, but I guarantee you a different perspective has come in you. Even as Brother Jonathan stood and read this morning and prayed about the nations, a different perspective has been brought into this ministry. We're not just about ourselves. No, 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 no. We understand that there are, there are nations that are people groups who've never heard the gospel. And even though it may not be all of us who understand this, many of us understand that a part of our destiny, a part of our reason for being is to spread the gospel throughout all nations. Perspective makes a difference between success and failure. I believe I would have failed. I would not have lived out of, and I'm continuing to live. Lord, give me time. My purpose in life, if my perspective were not so, I could have made the decision like a whole lot of other people and said, God didn't tell me to go. I could have been talking about what am I going to eat? How am I, I going to get there? <laughs> Where am I going to stay? Uh, it takes a confirmed faith to make right decisions. Yeah, because, you know, whenever you make a decision, 
It has to be based in your faith. If it's not in faith, because you don't see it. You can't see beyond the wall. You can't see into tomorrow. Your decision is based on faith. Uh, amen. But knowing that God, that the God who opens a door, well, let me back up. It takes a confirmed faith to make the right decisions, to trust God for new doors of opportunity, and to walk through those doors confidently, not knowing what's on the other side of the door. Not knowing what's on the other side of the door, but knowing that the God who opened the door mm, will give you success as you walk through and engage the new opportunities. Listen, y'all. Listen. God didn't intend for you to stay at one stage all of your life. It's your faith that will make the difference. Amen. It's your faith that will take you to Charlotte, to Winston-Salem, to New York. It's your faith. You can sit back and say, I'm scared to go. It's your faith that will take you to Africa, to Asia, to Europe. It's a confirmed faith. New opportunities. When the Lord opens the door, in 1987, when that preacher invited us to go to Liberia, I had never even thought about going to Africa. But when he said, will you come? I said, yes, I'll come. Now, that might have been a little adventurous side, on, you know, on, the, on the adventurous side of, of me. But, but I said, yes. When I got there, it's made all of the difference in my life. To a village in Liberia, taking a Cessna plane, and I had only flown once or twice before then to fly all the way to Liberia, New doors of opportunities that have made the difference because of faith, because of faith. It takes a confirmed faith to fulfill the assignments that God has given to you in ministry. Confirmed faith. A reinforced faith. You're going to face a whole lot of stuff out here. Anybody, anybody that really wants to be a pastor, you better make sure that that's the calling of God on your life. Because if God didn't call you, people will discourage you real quick. Amen. Amen. They may not intend to do it, but they have a way. The devil has a way through people of discouraging you. Make sure that's your calling. The Bible says that I'll give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So when you have the heart of God, the heart of God is for the people. It's not for yourself. You can go into ministry to build yourself up and to have a whole lot of money. But when you have a heart for the people, money is not the focus. The people are the focus, and God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can say today that my needs are supplied. Amen. According to God's riches in glory by Christ Jesus, I remember when I was ready to quit my job and become a pastor full time. Certain pastors said to me, man, he, you know, Baptist preachers didn't say, man, they said, Doc, they said, Doc, you mean to tell me you're going to quit your job and you're going to trust the people? And I had enough spiritual knowledge to say, no, I'm not trusting the people, I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. You realize when I stopped my job working for DSS, I was only getting paid $125 a week as a pastor? But who supplied my need? $125 a week? I didn't have enough sense to negotiate for more money. I didn't know about There were a whole lot of things I didn't know. You know? But I can say today that God has supplied all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah. Jesus knows all of this, and he knows that his disciples were wondering, some doubting his resurrection. So, so, oh wow. So he does something about it to confirm their faith. To confirm their faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That very same evening, the very same evening after he was raised from the dead, the Bible says, after his resurrection, he appears in the room where they are. The Bible says the doors are locked. 
here. I want you to look at something here. Because sometimes we read things, and some of you may not have missed this, but sometimes we read things and we miss it. So, the doors are locked because they are fearful of the Jewish authorities, okay? They've crucified their master, so it would be easy for them to come back and look for his followers. Of course, they weren't concerned about his followers, really. They were really concerned about killing Jesus, and this was the plan of Satan, because Satan felt, felt like that if he killed Christ, if he had killed the anointed one, he would have put a stop to God's plan of salvation. That's what this is really all about, all right? So they are fearful of the Jewish authorities, and they're in a room, they're in a house, and all the doors are locked, and boom, Jesus appears in the room. Nobody unlocked the door. He didn't knock. Nobody said, who is this? He just appeared in the room. And he appears, and he says to them, peace be with you. So immediately, he's settling their hearts, settling their minds, and reminding them that he has said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Important. Okay. But that wasn't all. What Jesus does is that he proves, something. you need proof of faith, all right, you need proof so that you don't have doubt. And some people are looking for proof. That's why they put out fleeces, you know. You don't hear too much about that, but people do that, even though they don't, they don't call it a fleece. They put out something to say, look, God, if, if this is you now, you got to show me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he proves that his appearance is that of the crucified master, now risen from the dead. He shows them his hands and he shows them his side. Why his side? Well, you see, if anybody else had been raised from the dead, if those other two men had been raised, they could have shown their hands and their feet. But when you look at Luke's account, nobody else was pierced in the side. They broke the other men's legs to see if they were dead. When they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead, the soldier took the spear and his sword and thrust it in Jesus' side. Jesus has proven to them that he is he who had been crucified and is now the resurrected Lord and Master. They were forced to grasp what became a central confession of the church. The risen Lord is none other than the crucified sacrifice. They, were, they had to grasp it. He showed them his side. Nobody else hanging on the cross had wounds in the side. Nobody. Not the other two. If they had been raised. But Jesus was the only one that had been raised. The results were, were the disciples were overjoyed. Isn't that what the Bible says? The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Then he charged them. He gave them an assignment. I'm going to talk about that assignment just a little bit. Let's, let's go a little bit further because I'm preaching a little bit longer than I thought I would. Uh, uh, the next appearance, because these appearances are important now. He's confirming faith. He's confirming the faith of his disciples. The next appearance is for those who didn't have the experience of the first encounter. Those who are like Thomas, okay? You didn't get to see Jesus, and I'm talking present now. You didn't get to see Jesus when he appeared to your mama. He appeared to your daddy. You weren't in the room with me that night when the Lord spoke to me and said, look under, you can only take my testimony. All right? You weren't, in the, you, you weren't with that other brother, that other sister, when they had an encounter with the Lord. All right? Maybe you're still on the fence like Thomas was. And Thomas said, and rightfully so, not being there on the first occasion. Hallelujah. Unless I see. All right. 
unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were in his hands and, and, and in his side, I will not believe. Thomas has a testimony. Thomas was in the midst. He got there in the room and other people were rejoicing. They seen the Lord. Thomas, let's put it today, Thomas was in the, in, the, in the worship service and folk were dancing and shouting because they had seen the Lord and they had testimonies about the goodness of the Lord and they were praising God. Thomas said, I didn't see it. I'm not going to believe unless I see for myself, put my hands where the marks were in his hands and put my hands in his side. A week later, can somebody say a week later? Let me tell you, the Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. He loves you so much that he will come and minister to you. He doesn't want you to take my testimony. All right? He does not want you to... He, my testimony is good. He wants you to have your own testimony. He wants you to have your own encounter. A week later, Jesus shows his love, concern, and commitment to all those he has called and commissioned to remove all doubt about him and to confirm their faith. He came and stood among them again. Thomas right there in the middle. Thomas right there in the midst. The doors were locked again. He didn't knock. He didn't say, uh, nobody said, who's at the door? Nobody opened the door. He just came and stood among them, the Bible says. And he spoke to Thomas. The same thing Thomas said. Thomas said, unless I see for myself, unless I put my hand in the nail prints, in his hand and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. Jesus says, put your, put your finger here, Peter. I mean, Thomas, put your fingers right here. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Then Jesus said, stop doubting and believe. Jesus is saying to somebody today, stop doubting. Your doubting is going to take you away from your faith. Even though you might come back, the foolishness you do between here and there. I heard an old lady say one time, you better mind how you run out in the bushes and do your dirt. Something might catch you while you're out there. Mm. The snake that saw you when you didn't see him is waiting to strike. Some of those snakes are poisonous. If they're not poisonous, they hurt a whole lot. Young people, can you listen? Can you pay attention? By the time you come back to the Lord, by the time you decide that what was taught to you was the truth, all the damage you've done in your life. Thank God it was just a week later for Thomas. But sometimes it's years for some of us. Some of us came to Christ when we were little. I can remember when this ministry first started, we had children that would receive Christ and were filled with the Holy Ghost. They'd be dancing and praising the Lord and they got to be teenagers. Whatever happened, Many of them are falling away from the faith. They may come back. Thank God if they come back. Some of them may not make it back. But all oh, the damage. All oh, the damage. You might say this is my life and I can live it like I want to live it. Yeah, you can. You can live your life like you want to live it. But all oh, the damage. Don't say you don't care. You do care. Oh, the damage that will happen. Lord Jesus. Well, the Lord has sent a special message just this morning, especially to those who have inklings of doubt about him and whether it's worth, uh, whether it's worth it to follow him. In these times, and to those whose minds seem to be locked out of the truth, 
Stop doubting and believe. What's the process? Three simple things, quick things. You got to know this. You've got to know that destiny is locked up inside of you. And that destiny that's locked up inside of you is not just for you, but it's for the children that's in your loins. If you understand biblical perspectives, then if you even look at Jesus, he's in the loins of Abraham. Because God made a promise to Abraham. Do you realize when you read in Judges that there arose a generation that didn't know God? You know why that generation arose? Because the generation that birthed them didn't communicate the faith. So what was in their loins, what was going to come to pass, didn't have the benefit of them telling them about the faith. You remember me talking about that man I met on the airplane that time? I don't know why the Lord sent me beside him. I don't like sitting in the middle of an airplane. I always try to get a seat on either side. I always try to get an aisle seat. But this time, I'm in the middle of the airplane, and somebody sitting, I think somebody was sitting on, my, on, on the side of me, and me and this man sitting in the middle, and we strike up a conversation, which is the best thing to do when you are on an 18-hour flight. And he started telling me about his family and whatever. And his father was a pastor. He raised in a Christian home. But he said, I don't go to church anymore. I don't, he has a daughter. And I said, do you talk? I don't, you know, I just want my daughter to grow up and make her own decision. I said, I want you to consider this. From my perspective, you're being very unfair to your daughter. He said, what do you mean? You grew up in a Christian home. Your father was a pastor. You heard the gospel. You had something to base your choice on. You're not giving your daughter an opportunity, the same opportunity that you had to know Jesus. But how many people do that today? Because of that doubt, because of something that may have happened, they forget that that's in their loins. That's, that's going to come forth out of them. So your destiny, your children's destiny is tied to your destiny, their children's destiny when it comes to the faith. You've got to be able to see generationally. This faith is a generational faith. It's to be communicated from generation to generation to generation. Study generations in the Bible. That's why we can trace Jesus' lineage all the way back to Abraham. And then if you want to really trace, you can go back to, to Adam. Let me go home. Doubt is intended to stop you from going forward, and doubt is intended to stop your children from knowing Jesus. Doubt is intended to abort your destiny. Doubt is intended to abort the destiny of your children. We're not born in a vacuum. The same Jesus who is the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore is the same Jesus if he doesn't come back before your children are born and grow up. He's the same Christ. He speaks destiny. He speaks purpose. So what you got to do is you got to fight doubt with all that you have through prayer, through studying the scriptures, through asking questions. Whatever you do, don't give up on your search for God. Scripture promises anyone, anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you come to God as a child. You come to Christ as a child. You got to diligently seek the Lord. You got to get to the point where, where you begin to ask the questions, where you begin to uh, give yourself to the teaching, where you begin to do what you need to do to strengthen your faith. You've got to do it. I cannot do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. You've got to get to the point that you do it for yourself. Secondly, you got to stay in the right fellowship. 
You got to stay in the right fellowship. Thomas stayed in the right fellowship. He may have doubted. He may have had questions, but he came back to that same fellowship of believers. A week later, he was right there in that fellowship of believers until his faith was confirmed. I read that thing and I said, Lord, the problem with a lot of people is they start associating, they get too close to the wrong people. We've been talking a little bit about that wicked seed that's in the world. There's a wicked seed that's in the world. They don't care about the Lord. They don't care about you. That's why mom and daddy would say, you don't need to hang around that person. They saw what we didn't see. They knew what we didn't know. We said, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. But you get to the point that you learn some things. There are wicked people in the world who is bent on your downfall. They're jealous people. You know, when people see you doing good, they'll be jealous of you. They'll be jealous of the family you came from. They'll be jealous because you have a mom and a daddy in the house and they don't, some of them, not everybody, and some of them don't. They'll be jealous. That's a lot of reason that for some reason you didn't do anything. You may have even been trying to be a friend, but they're jealous. You got to be in the right fellowship. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Lastly, avail yourself to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit. Thomas's statement was a statement of yearning. It was a statement of yearning. I want to believe. I hear what you say. But there's something inside of me that's not letting me get past this point. So until I can see for myself, until I can put my hand in his hand and put my hand in his, in his side, I will not believe. So when Jesus appeared, Thomas didn't have to touch him. All he had to do was see it. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Now hear the last words of Jesus and I'm finished. The last words of Jesus says, he said to Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet they believe. When it comes to faith in Christ and believing in who Christ is, I didn't see him with my natural eye, but he's revealed himself to me in so many ways over, my, over the years because I believed and I didn't see for myself. Faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. So I believed the word of the Lord that I heard, and I believed that it was right to give my life to Jesus. I believed that it was right to study the word. Yeah, I was forced to go to Sunday school when I was a child, but it got to the point where it wasn't, a, it wasn't mandatory anymore. Nobody had to tell me to get up on Sunday morning and go to the house of the Lord. When we were having worship twice a week, we had Sunday school every Sunday, but worship was only two times. I said, Lord, when I get my driver's license, I'll be in worship every Sunday. My mom and daddy didn't make me do that. But I believed what I didn't see. And it created a desire in me to be in the presence of the Lord. You got to fight when doubt enters in. You have to fight when you have questions that you don't understand. You have to fight when you see the devil trying to pull you away. You say, oh, pastor, I can't talk to you because, because you, you old and, 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 and you already had your experience. I'm going through something. Well, you got some young people in here you can talk to. You got some young people in here who didn't grow up in the church like I grew up in the church. They got saved later on, and now they're faithful in the Lord. If you're really going to fight, sit down and talk to them. Be in that fellowship, not the fellowship of those who draw back. Hebrews talks about those, here's he talks about faith and confidence in the faith. He said, we are not a part of those who shrink back. Got to fight when you're struggling, when you're dealing with issues in your life, when you can't seem to overcome, you got to draw near to God. 
You got to draw near to the fellowship of believers. Faith. You're struggling. The nightclub is not the place to be. The house of God is the place to be. If you feel like you got to go on Saturday night to the nightclub, pull yourself out of bed on Sunday morning, take a shower, and make it to the house of the Lord. You got to draw near. The devil is serious about what he's doing. You got to be serious about what you're doing. When you're living wrong, when you know you're living wrong, but you know God is right, you got to fight. God, I got to get out of this situation. God, I got to break free from this situation. So don't stay away from the church. Draw to the church. Draw near to God. Get somebody to pray with you. The devil will work through all of that to push you away from God and get you out there. So he can steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. The Lord wants to confirm your faith in him because it's faith in him that's going to make all of the difference in the world. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. If there's somebody today, somebody today who needs Jesus, I just get, a, get an answer for Feelings like you need to pull away. You need to do something else. That this is not really for you. The devil is, 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 is fighting you hard. I want to pray for you this morning. Pray for you this morning. You can stay at your seat or you can come to the altar. I just want to pray for you this morning. You're online watching, and the Lord has spoken to you. I want to pray for you this morning. This is critical. This is critical. We're not even of those who continue in sin because they think grace abounds. We're not caught up in the heresy of antinomianism, I believe that's the correct word, that seems so prevalent in the church today that you can live any kind of way you want to live because of grace. You're going to be saved anyway. That's a dangerous position to take. So I want to pray today. And then if there's someone who wants to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want to give you that opportunity to make that profession of faith in him right now. So as we pray, we're going to lead you in a prayer of confession. And if you make that decision and you're watching online, write to us. Uh, someone is watching. We'll get your information. We'll make contact with you and help you begin that process of growing in the Lord. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void. It accomplishes all that you desire. And you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word accomplishes in our lives. This word today, Thank you for being the loving, concerned, kind, proactive God that you will confirm our faith. Lord, especially in these times when there's so much heresy still around, so many different belief systems, so many people fighting you and your church so many people that believe that truth is relative God in these times we need our faith confirmed many of us are like Thomas even though we won't admit it we're, we're saying 
that we've got to see for ourselves. Well, Lord, you still reveal yourselves to people, yourself to people. For those who want to see you and experience you and encounter you, Lord. And I know we don't have to ask you, but I'm going to ask you anyhow. Reveal yourself. Manifest your presence in that doubting person's life. They may be here in the sanctuary. They may be watching online. They may not even be watching at all. But you know where they are. You know what they're going through. That person who at one point in their lives gave their life to you. And now they've drawn back from the faith. God confirmed that faith. Manifest your presence in their lives. Trouble them in their dreams and their visions. Let them see you. Let them experience you, God, in an undeniable way that their faith in you will be confirmed. God, thank you. For those of us who are walking by faith, continue to strengthen us. Continue to lead us into the knowledge of the truth. Lord, we need you. We need to know what to say and how to say it, where to go and what to say when we get there, what to do. We need you, Lord. We look to you, Father. There are situations that we face in our lives. Sometimes we don't know whether to turn right or turn left, but God, help us to keep our eyes stayed on you so that we will walk by faith and not by sight. Minister to everyone in this place right now. Every individual. Minister in every family, in every household. Meet our needs. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. You know our needs. We ask you to meet our needs. We cast our care on you right now. Whatever those cares are, thank you, Father. Now for that person who is an unbeliever and, 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 and wants to give their lives to you, if you're that person, you're watching us online, pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But Lord, I believe that you gave your life as a sacrifice for my sins. You satisfied God's law on my behalf by shedding your blood, dying on that cross. I believe that you died for me and I believe that God raised you from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sins. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I surrender my life to you right now. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com that's tabernacle of praise at msn.com give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you also we would like for you to sow into this ministry if you've been blessed by this work by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel and you would like to help further this cause 
we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.